You're listening to Music Mythology. My name is Sam Romo, and let's talk about some music. interested to, to hear your take on this album because I think this is this is my favorite stuff that they've put out in a while yeah because that's it's a callback to the like first early stuff they years did. yeah yeah because yeah, I remember us talking about them before as I mean obviously I'm a fan of theirs and I remember you, you saying that you you preferred the earlier years and I remember being incredibly jealous that you actually experienced them when it was, they were just a two-piece. So, oh yeah, man. Um, yeah, because that was one thing. It's like I always wanted to do, but by the time I had gotten into them, it was like attack and release, and so it was when they were already kind of amping up their production and their crew and stuff like that for tours. And I was trying to think. I actually texted a friend of mine who I haven't talked to in forever, mm-hmm. and he said because he was the one he gave me a copy of the Big Come Up. Okay. And he said it was when we were sophomores, which probably would have been the fall of 2004 then. And yeah, because I, I think that came out in 2003. Yeah, I think so. And so I had that, and then I that was the only thing I had until like my sophomore year of college, really. Oh, really? Um, and then I got, you know, whatever, some of the other stuff. But the big come up, I mean, I wore that thing out, man. Mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, see, like my when it comes to the early stuff, I think like I le- leaned really into like I like the big come up, like I like the their cover of "She Said She Said." And oh yeah, do the romp and um, uh, let's well, see, yeah, there's another song on there that I really like. Um, but I really like like Thick Freakness when they first signed. Thick Freakness to, is so good. Yeah, because I think that's their first album they did with Fat Possum uh, mm-hmm. Records, which is the record label for most of these uh, Delta artists that we're about to talk about. But they. Uh, yeah, that one and uh, Rubber Factory. There's some cool stuff in there. Rubber Factory was great, too. Um, Rubber Factory. Man, I had a blue Dodge pickup truck. It was my first car. Mm-hmm. And one time when I was like 21 or so, um, my family and I were out of town for Christmas, and I had a cousin who was house-sitting for us. Uh-huh. And he borrowed my truck. Uh, and, but he had already had like a 12 pack of steel reserve. And I mean, he was hammered Mm. and he took my truck to go get more, um, more beer and got in a wreck. It's a wonder he wasn't killed. He broke his wrist and a couple of ribs, but single car thing. Thank God. But Mm. he went through a telephone pole and a retaining pole. I mean, yeah, my truck, it was my, my poor truck with manual windows, manual locks and, vinyl everything Um, manually destroyed yeah but it was i think it was no maybe it was the big come up i can't remember but there was a black keys album in my cd player at the time (laughs) i couldn't get it out it was (laughs) damn like yeah when i when when i went to the uh because we we 
came back from Christmas, you know, we got a call from the police because because <laughs> they didn't he didn't have any ID on him and they oh. saw the name on the title. They called my parents and said I was in an accident. And they're oh, like, Lord. you know, they're on the on the couch, like looking over at me and they're like, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so, uh, but yeah, so we, we came back down. We were in Oklahoma and we came back down. And when I went to the record yard to like pull all of my possessions out of the truck, that was the one thing I, I couldn't get it out of the CD oh, player. No. And I just I just was like, RIP. Yeah. <laughs> Had myself a moment of silence. But, uh, but yeah, man, that was uh, crazy. But yeah, I, yeah, that, yeah, it was, that was the big come up that was in there. Yeah. Now that I think about it. Mm. So. Luckily, I'd already burned a copy and, and had it on my iTunes. So. Old, old school pirate. Oh hell yeah! Dude. Yeah, I'm sure that friend that got it to that gave it to me probably got it off freaking Lime Lime Wire, Wire or yeah. something. So. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's the interesting, troubling uh, moments of like a music lover, like when you're like, oh freaking scratch my cd you're like oh you know, i know my kid pulled the tape out of the cassette oh, you know like oh man you can't just scream it can't just pull it up even on youtube and listen to an ad you're like <laughs> just to hear it but yeah no yeah that's that'd suck i don't think i'm trying to think if i owned any black keys cds and i think i i did buy attack and release but that was like a couple years after just because i loved it so much that's a good album um i think it's the first album they worked with danger mouse on which he's one of my favorite producers um anyways uh but yeah i I really enjoy this album uh delta cream i also enjoyed just the fact that they also got to produce it and make it with the original uh uh uh, session artists and musicians that were involved i I did not realize kenny brown was on this yeah that, that was really now you can you can hear it in a couple of the songs that have well say that but you know he was he was a pretty prolific or is a pretty prolific slide, slide guy guitarist. Yeah. yeah, he uh, yeah he um, yeah he's a big he he was like Bonnie Raitt's like personal mm. guitar teacher for a while. Oh wow! And I love Bonnie Raitt. Mm-hmm. What a weird! I ha- I don't know if it's just a redhead thing. Or- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I love Bonnie Raitt and. Uh, so that was kind of cool because you can hear his style in her playing, mm. and then you could hear his style because he was playing it a couple of times on this album. And I was like, "Dude, that's badass!" I didn't, re- yeah. I didn't realize it was him at first. Yeah, like I think, I think it's a, a majority of the slide parts are him. Yeah, I think I, I, I couldn't figure out which one it was. Um, I needed to watch. Honestly, I'm realizing I didn't do this, but I needed to watch the music videos because when they do the whole live set where they they, they streamed it live, mm-hmm. and uh, there's one of them where uh, Dan keeps a slide on his pinky and and does a small little part. But I think it's most of it's uh, Kenny. Um, but yeah, that that's awesome because Kenny uh, Kenny was R.L. Burnside's guitarist, and then uh, the bassist that helped them, uh, Eric Deaton, he was Junior Kimbrough's right. bassist. I was like man, that's awesome. It's like I, like I, I don't know. Listening to this album because I I love Chulahoma. That was that's an awesome album. Like in and of itself. Like I remember listening to that when I first got into the Black Keys, like in 2010, whatever, 2009, and and thinking like this is really cool. And I totally disregarded the subtext of the title where it says you know a song tribute or whatever to Junior Kimbrough. To Junior Kimbrough, yeah. I was just like Chulahoma. That's a cool cool album. <laughs> and um and I listened to it and I listened to it straight through. And it's a really good album. I mean, it's so well done. Oh yeah. Um and I love the the songs they pick. They're really good. 
um, especially uh, um, what's a "Have Mercy on Me" and mm-hmm. "Mercy on Me." That's a that's a really cool song. It's a great song. Um, but uh, uh, and "Meet Me in the City," I really like that one. Yeah. But uh, and it's just so cool. Like I, I didn't realize what it really was when I first listened to it until I got to that voice message from the Junior's widow mm-hmm. and what she's saying. You know, she loves what they're doing and can't believe you know they appreciate him so much and. And it ends with an actual little instrumental that of juniors that wasn't used. Right. Uh, that's so cool. That's really um, cool. But then, like, really getting into this album, like, I'm realizing, like, it's not just, like, someone that they enjoy. This is, like, someone that they really, like, revered and just yeah. really was someone that they, they took extremely seriously. And and it, and it and 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 when you hear them in interviews talk about their beginnings and their where they come from for for music appreciation, they always talk about these little these these guys <laughs> these blue guys that are kind of like on the peripheral of like I mean they were never they never had these massive hits but they right but they were so big to him like they were such a big deal to them, and uh, yeah I, I love how, hearing them talk about their preferences in music because they'll talk about. Uh, Model Four. They'll talk about uh, Junior Kimbrough. They'll talk about uh, Captain Beefheart. Like they'll just talk about like <laughs> I don't know, just the kind of the people that you just I don't know. You you want to really expect? They're not the immediate sometimes to to I don't know when you think of like a big rock artist or whatever. Because I mean they're they're humongous now. You yeah. Know? Oh yeah. But they still hold that you know that that tribute that that you know that um, their style is still an homage to these people that they just they really love and they appreciate and. Um, I don't know. This just showed me like how big of a deal like Chulahoma must have been. And, oh yeah, and especially how big of a deal it must have been to get that finally get signed to Fat Possum because I know like on the big come up, I think they took whatever they could get to get the, get the label <laughs> yeah. started. Because I think uh, in the Joe Rogan interview they did, I think they said they only got like five hundred bucks yeah. like, as like a signing bonus <laughs> yeah. or something like that. And, yeah, it was like they got their studio time paid for and then like five hundred dollars cash. Yeah, and, that was... <laughs> and then like some kind of like thousand dollar marketing budget or something that was it yeah and yeah. uh but i mean yeah but i mean they were a college garage band basically it's, but they were constantly like working at it i mean that's what's so cool is like they i mean because you know I, I i make music i jam a lot and it's just awesome that's like that that was his style that was his lane Dan, dan's lane was this delta vein of blues rock and he you know he just went all in and um and i also love the the little recount of their history where like patrick carney um i think it's on that same joe rogan episode where he talks about how when they first started talking about making music together because they both were musically inclined that patrick was wanted to be the guitarist and he just he only bought drums because he needed a drummer right and then it turned out that he was going to be the drummer because dan knew everything <laughs> it's like uh, it's like eddie and alex van halen Ooh. You know, Alex Van Halen was the original guitarist of the brothers. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, Eddie, Eddie Van Halen was classically trained on the piano and played drums. Oh, what? And um, he just, they realized at some point that Eddie had a better ear for the guitar than Alex Ooh. did, although Alex at the time was more skilled. <laughs> but when it came time to... Uh, it, had they already done an album? Like, no, 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 oh, not yet. They, they were still... Because even on on Van Halen one, and that was seventy seven or seventy eight, yeah. Which people forget that people forget Van Halen started in the 70s. late seventies, yeah. Um, them and Foreigner um, and Journey, but um, of course, well, doesn't matter. That's a we'll do. We can talk Journey some other time, but <laughs> but yeah, like it was it was while they were forming what would become the band Van Halen that they realized that Alex had much better timekeeping skills. Um, instinctually, so they put him on the drums, mm. and Eddie was an, an instinctually better guitarist. Mm. 
but apparently they're both very accomplished at both instruments huh. and would occasionally, you know, like if Eddie was hung over or whatever, Alex might play a rhythm track or something mm, yeah. on Swap guitar. Out. Yeah. Huh. That's crazy. I know, right? But yeah, you just never know how it plays out. <laughs> it just tells you how freaking talented those guys were. I mean, oh, yeah. Because I, I, I mean, I don't know. I've got a weird soft spot for Van Halen, so maybe I like them may, way more than I should. <laughs> and I, the Sammy, you know, Sammy Hagar Van Halen, I hate that. But David Lee Roth, like from the first album through 1984, I like that. Because what, 84, that's... Uh... That's the one with Panama, right? Yeah, it had Panama and Hot for Teacher and yeah. Jump. Oh, yeah, Jump. Yeah. Where everybody made the decision if they loved or hated synthesizers. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be honest, it's probably my least favorite song from the uh, it's not, David know. Lee Roth years. It's but. not like, I don't know. It's just one of those songs where it's like, yeah, I'm sure it's going to exist and it'll thrive, but it's not something that I'm going to keep on a loop. I don't know. It's, it's one of those songs where it's like, if it's on, I'm like, yeah, but... I don't know. It's a weird one. It's just one of those songs where it's so simple that you just don't know if it's good or if it's just. I, I heard a piano led jazz trio play it. Oh, um, see, now that's probably something I would enjoy is like a, a mix on that instead of just doing the, yeah. the simple progression of the normal song. It was really cool. It was at uh, the Scat Lounge in Fort Worth. Oh, um, Red. So I can't remember the guy's name. Red something. Older guy, long hair that I'm sure once was red, but now is very gray. <laughs> red Coleman? Red... No, Red Coleman was a liquor store in Dallas when I was a kid. Red, <laughs> red something. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Interesting. Yeah. But see, I love it. I love it. I mean, like what you're talking about with the uh, Swing Low Sweet Cherry. Yeah. Like, I love it when people take something and oh, I do too. totally warp it and throw it in something that's like... Let me let me put that on some kind of crazy you know rhythm. Let me put that on a you know some, I don't know some yeah I don't know I, I love it when people mix this shit up. Anyways, let's dive into this thing. Let's do it. Uh, so uh, one thing that was really cool about this one, I mean, obviously, uh, I don't know how familiar all four of these people were with the tracks. I mean, clearly, like Dan was mega familiar because he's the guitarist and he's going to sing it, and he this is the stuff that he's uh, honoring. And Pat, too, I imagine this is the stuff that they would warm up on, whatever. And then the other two are original artists uh, uh, or musicians on some of the songs, but not all of them. But the fact that when they came together and started recording the album, it only took about 10 hours. Yeah, I saw that. Over two afternoons. Yeah. Which is nuts. Yeah. uh, To me, that just shows the obsessive like nature that Dan had with this music. And it was just like, he was just like just enthralled by it. Just like, Oh my God, like how'd they do that? And just playing it all the time. And it makes me really wonder like, cause you know, like it's like me and my, my groups that I play music with. I mean, it's like we get together relatively frequently and, and if, if these guys were, I mean, they were buskers. I mean, they were pushing it. They were going to any club they could get. I mean, if you listen to interviews, I mean, they were barely making it, you know, for oh, the yeah. first few years. I mean, they were surviving on ramen and, and, and nothing. And, um, and I mean, I would just, I, I just think, you know, and I think about this about a lot of greats, you know, like, especially like the Jimi Hendrix, someone that just like revolutionary revolutionizes something that, like how much time like how much how often <laughs> did you like play these songs because i mean i mean i have like my little ditties i have my little songs i like to play and like yeah we will turn it out like once a night but it, but i don't i don't get to amp that up and play it to a crowd yet and i was like so like this is just like it's just awesome because the fact that they could do it so quickly 
it just shows their proficiency, I mean, in what they're doing, but also just how much they really uh, appreciate it and how much like they, they took these tracks to heart and are ready to really do their, their take their best swing at it. Um, I don't know, it's just super cool. I mean, the fact that there was no advanced rehearsals, uh, very little, you know, like planning on what was going to happen. This is like a two-day session period right after they had gotten off their tour of uh, their last album. Right. And it was like they were just in the... And, you know, they had the high energy to do it and they just knocked it out. It's just crazy. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, I think another, another thing that's exemplified by that relatively quick retor- recording time is I think, um, cause you know, you hear of musicians like Peter Gabriel that it takes them like, you know, 700 hours of studio time mm. to produce a 45 minute album. Yeah. And I, I think that there is definitely something to be said for just music that has a certain feel. And, you know, this is all very proficiently done, sounds super great, but it sounds and feels more soulful. And mm. I, I think that if this had been just produced to death, like a lot of stuff, that it wouldn't be nearly as effective of an album. Oh, for sure. And, you know, you, and, you know, I'm not bashing Peter Gabriel. I like Peter Gabriel. But, you know, Peter Gabriel wouldn't be able to do this. Yeah. <laughs> like some people just have a more, like, formulaic, you know, like, hyper-produced approach to things because I think they want that edge. But to me, to me, I think it was uh, – I'll forgive you for that. Yeah. Um, I, I apologize. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, for me, I think the edge is – his his I don't want to like make this sound so simple, but like his love and appreciation for it. His edge is his passion, and then it's like I, it's like y'all want y'all want to play Crawling King Snake? I'm fucking down. Like I am in it. It's like you want to do do the rump again? Oh, let's freaking yeah. do it. It's yeah. like I don't care if we did it 20 years ago. We're gonna do it again. Yeah, just smugly looking back, going, hope you can keep up. Yeah, <laughs> you know, to like the this, guys that played on the originals. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Or like, or like, cause you know, I mean, his last, uh, Dan's like last, what, three and a half years. I mean, he's been producing a lot of Nashville artists and he's been in that world with his, with his label, the, uh, Easy Eye Sound. And so I just feel like he's just been like in it. You know, I, I feel like he's one of those people, those like road warriors that just put in a lot of work and they, you know, they got to a, to the pinnacle of rock success. And now the dude's doing what he loves. He's going, he's dialing it back. And he's like, you know what? I want to work with the people that are in the same mindset and that same flow that I, you know, that appreciate music in the lane that I did. And um, and then you know, Let's Rock was like their like kind of like homage to just classic rock. It's like they're not they're taking you know a, a, a aesthetics and, and 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 styles from you know certain old songs, but you know it's all new. And and it was really cool. I found it. It was much. It had more of that kind of Nashville rock feel to it. Right. Um. And then you know, then he turned out his uh, solo album. I think it was like two years before Let's Rock. But like that also had more of like a Nashville sound to it. And 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 that's all under Easy Eye. Um. And so when they came to do this, I just feel like this was like I don't know. It's like I'm trying to think about me. It's like you know I I see like Dan. You know he loves blues. He loves that Delta blues, uh, world. And it's like with me it would be like. If I find like a group of guys that, you know, like, I mean, well, I'm in groups like this, but it's like, like, let's say we get famous making our own music, right? We find our own little uh, 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 vibe, our aesthetic, and we and we, we nail albums and now we've, we've made money and now we get to decide what we do next. And it's like, and if we want to do something like this and go back to like what really made us who we think it are, we are. And it's like, man, it's like, this would be like me, like wanting to work on some 
you know, like Neil Young stuff, some McCartney stuff. I mean, it's the stuff that I grew up on because that's what he grew up on, you know? Right. And it's like in, in comparing my styles to, you know, like, like George Harrison. It's like, like I'd probably want to half my half my uh, tribute album probably be all things must pass. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's like because that's what that's immediately where my my mind would go, because that's just to me, that's like the purest form of like great music. And like to him, that's what it is, because every time you talk to him, that's where he goes. He's like, right. This, these are these are like rock gods, you know, and these are people that. Like I, I didn't know about some of these people until he talked about them, you know, or or like, or like I thought I had like a good idea of like blues of a blues catalog, and then he's you know referencing these people I never heard of before. And I'm like, oh, I don't know who that dude is, but it's just awesome. I don't know. It, this is just a, a prime example. I mean, Chulahoma is in and of itself, but to to come back again, it just shows the how much it resonated with him, how much it was just like a part of him, like a just a key part to his music. I don't know vibe and, and life yeah uh first off i look forward to hearing all eight versions of the ballad of sir frankie crisp that'll <laughs> end up on your 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 roots album um no i agree completely and i'm i'm with you i mean i i getting into the blues was the first first thing i ever did to kind of expand my own musical horizons mm-hmm. um my dad is a very 1970s and 80s country guy, Waylon okay. Jennings, Willie Nelson. And I, I still like that stuff a lot. My mom was more kind of radio rock from the same era. So a lot mm. of Journey and Foreigner. Gotcha. And, um, you know, again, I still like all that stuff. But at a certain age, I was like, who influenced these guys? Mm, Let's right. go figure what that out. Figure that out. Right. And, um, you know, I, I watching the Beatles anthology even one time, mm. listening to those guys talk about their artists growing up hearing Ringo go Big Bill Brunzi and then you you know you find out who Big Bill Brunzi is and you listen to Big Bill Brunzi yeah and you're like okay I don't hear it in Ringo's playing but I like it right. uh, <laughs> yeah and yeah no it's uh, if if uh, Chulahoma was a microcosm I think that this uh, I think that Delta Cream is a maybe not a full macrocosm but certainly certainly just more of that very concentrated love and passion and edge like you were talking about yeah yeah man with probably a bigger budget (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. i I bet there might have been a comma or two missing from that first one from chulahoma (laughs) i'll give you a couple hundred bucks to knock it out (laughs) yeah here's three hundred dollars in a mcdonald's gift card have a good time how good you are why we gotta give you all this money right (laughs) but yeah I, i i mean Again, I, like when we when we talked about like our experiences seeing them and and you know me seeing them in a big concert setting and you seeing them in more of the personal two piece setting, it just made me like yeah really dial back and just think like man it's like that's I mean that, that that's what made me really appreciate them to begin with like when I first like heard them and was like you know like who is this group because I think around the same time I was also getting the Arcade Fire oh yeah and so. Uh, it was interesting because I was like obsessed with like um, uh, Magic Potion and Attack and Release, but I was also obsessed with like The Funeral by uh, 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 Arcade Fire. And so when I would look into Arcade Fire as a group, there's like 12 people or like 10 yeah. people. And yeah. then there's just so many different people. Just 18 and, uh, Canadians <laughs> singing their hearts out. <laughs> and in Houston. Oh, yeah. Folk. Yeah. Um, That's true. <laughs> yeah, they're... They're partially on my Texan list that we're working. Oh, that, <laughs> that well, we're there we go. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, uh, 
a disclaimer, me and Ben are working on a Texan musician series <laughs> eventually. So um, anyways, uh, and so I remember looking at them being kind of taken back being like, whoa, it's like Chicago style. Whoa, that's nuts. And then like I looked into the Black Keys and I was like, two guys. And I was like, that's nuts. <laughs> and then I listened to the, the earlier stuff. I'm like, man, I was like, they they do it. Like they nail it. Like it, them two. It's like it's like the white stripes, you know. It's like they could they could pump it out. Now I think white stripes. I think they started like adding a little more production stylistic stuff a little earlier than the Black Keys did. But just that raw kind of energy that came from just them two, just you know, going nuts. It was just I don't know. It was palpable. It was just such a I don't know. It was, it was such a strong like a uh, 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 vibe that they would put out of like like of, of comfort in their own sound that they knew what they were doing and they were just here to demonstrate it to you. And it was just such a, I don't know, confident thing. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, I, I know, you know, this one and you've referenced it, but I, I saw them, uh, twice in the same weekend, as a matter of fact, in 2007 or 2008, I forgive me for not remembering exactly which year, but I saw them at, at, uh, the Austin city limits festival, like on a Friday night. Mm. And then I left the festival, right after them because I didn't care about who was playing later in the evening and I ended up seeing them later that same night at Stubbs nice and uh, yeah and Stubbs was a great venue for it it was much better than the ACL huge outdoor was it the indoor Stubbs it was yeah it was the indoor portion of Stubbs and that is as loud as I think two humans can possibly (laughs) be I mean and it was it was great right I mean because I'd saw I I knew the music I saw them at ACL I was a little bit disappointed at ACL because Mm. It's just a you know it's a big open field and at some point the sound waves get weak. Yeah. Um, but no, don't be wrong. They still sounded great. Oh yeah. You know. Well, um, and, that, and that's one of my favorite like Texas venues just because of oh, how, yeah. how personal it is. Absolutely. But yeah, then uh, yeah, at Stubbs, man, they they blew us away. That was. Oh man, I'm surprised there weren't bottles of that barbecue sauce didn't shatter. But <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, yeah. Man, whew. I got the chills just thinking about it. <laughs> Not to get all sentimental here. But yeah, well, quit making me envious. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, this this album definitely carries that same kind of energy. And, and yeah, and, and the fact that it was just produced so uh, or, or, or uh, recorded so cleanly and so, um, I don't know, without too much complication. And just it, that, 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 um, uh, that translates that comes through and it's like man you guys know these songs like this is this is more like because this almost fits that that old style of making music where it's like you had to know the songs in and out you go into the studio because we're working with tape you have the tiniest budget because we don't believe in you yet <laughs> so get in there and, and do your best and see what happens and then we'll we'll work at our best and see what we get but this time it's just this came in and knocked it out um and uh some of their songs um uh, I, I was familiar with probably like half the album, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's probably about the same for me. Yeah, because I knew like Crawling King Snake and uh, uh, Poor Boy and Going Down South, Do the Rump. And I'd heard uh, Mellow Peaches before, but I don't think it was the original version. It was some alternate version. Yeah, and I, I uh, well, I'll, I'll save this for when we get to Mellow Peaches. I, peaches, I have a, I have a fun story about okay. the, the phrase Mellow Peaches. Okay. Um, <laughs> that is uh, actually probably not as fun as I, I'm, I feel bad. This is going to be such a letdown when we get to it. But, oh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. It was probably about half the songs. Um, uh, you know, what's interesting 
is yeah, because I'm I'm looking. Crawling King Snake, Louise, Poor Boy, I knew. Stay All Night, I knew. Cold Black Maddie, I knew. Do the Rump, of course. Um, and Mellow Peaches. So I guess I didn't really know much of like the back half of the album, but I knew mm. a lot of the first half. Yeah. <laughs> and a majority of the album is Junior, right? Yeah. And yeah. it's kind of backloaded. So maybe that's what it was. I, I didn't know enough about Junior. Junior yeah. Kimbrough. Yeah. It seems it kind of favors R.L. Burnside and Junior. I mean... Definitely junior then. Yeah. And it was, I, I'll be honest, I was uh, I was a little disappointed because they do, um, they do, yeah, Mellow Peaches, the big Joe Williams tune. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll tell you, I, I love, I, the Black Keys, I love this version of it, but Mellow Peaches is one of my all-time favorite like blues, blues tunes. And yeah. I wish, I kind of wish that they had done more big Joe Williams on here, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I also I'm I, I'm also curious like how they came to this list. You know, it's like was it just Dan and Pat remembering which ones that they could pump out quick probably and so. used to play in the day or? No, uh, it's it's probably some ridiculous. Like this is like a quarter of what they actually recorded yeah, over those exactly. two days. They yeah, whittled it down. What, yeah, that's what I'm. That's thinking. that's how good these guys are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it was really a week, and they're like, well, these two days we did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You recorded 43 songs in 10 hours? Yeah, I mean, we knew the songs. We tried a bunch of Willie Dixon, but everyone's like, no, stick to Delta. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like Led Zeppelin's already done plenty with yeah. Willie Dixon. Let's, let's... Stick to the Delta Blues. You can... yeah. But yeah, but still, it's really good. Because um, like Crawling King Snake, like I knew that wasn't, because like the first time I heard that was L.A. Woman, the Doors album, and I knew right. it wasn't original. I thought it was because of the the, uh, the snake reference and how often right. uh, Morrison would use uh, reptilian references and stuff like that. Um, but no, I think they just appealed to it because Robbie Krieger loves the blues. And I'm yeah. sure, yeah, the King Snake was probably a, like vibe for morrison oh yeah, yeah absolutely he's the first reptile he didn't have to be on peyote to like be able to comprehend no i'm with you but that, that is it's probably the first version i heard um i'm with you and i do like the doors version yeah i like the junior version too yeah the junior Burrow. the junior version's good the uh john lee hooker this is this is what i thought was kind of interesting um, so the research I did showed that it was first recorded by Big Joe Williams, even though it was written by John Lee Hooker and Bernard Besman. And I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of, you know, back then in the early 40s, you didn't have that many guys who wrote songs and didn't immediately record them. Hmm, yeah. And uh, so I thought that was kind of cool. That it was it was a John Lee Hooker tune that Big Joe Williams recorded first that just, uh, you know, that's the norm now. Right. Yeah. Um, but back hmm. then, kind of kind of unusual ahead of the time. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe John Lee Hooker had the music industry figured out 80 years ago. Yeah. Um, but well, probably cause, not. Cause- well, when did when did that come out? Like in the so Big Joe Williams version was 1941. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know, right? Like this, you know, the Japanese hadn't bombed Pearl Harbor yet. Like that, that's what's weird to think about. <laughs> yeah, you know, nuts. Well, because I'm I'm trying to think. Because like when did like Elvis come around? Like early 50s? Mid, uh, yeah, mid 50s, probably 54, okay. 55, 56. Because because I'm, I'm thinking because you know it's like with him. You know, he started off with some Otis Blackwell tunes that he just jazzed up but they were you know they were his tune they were his songs he just took pre-written already written songs and 
and changed them up a little bit. Yeah. Um, Actually, you know what? I And please don't ask me how I know this so quickly. Hmm. I am pretty sure that today, which for the record is June 5th, 2021, I believe is like the 66th anniversary of uh, Elvis doing Hound Dog on TV. Oh. I, I, <laughs> wow, that's very random. <laughs> yeah, I I, um, I agree. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't dispute that. I um, I mean, relevant, obviously. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> there's, I don't know which of the Twitter people I follow it is, oh, but but there's one of them that just every day retweets a bunch of on this day stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I was looking through reactions to the Mavericks game from last night on Twitter this morning, um, I kept seeing like gifts of Elvis gyrating and I'm like, okay, mm. what, what happened on this day to Elvis? Um, and it turns out it was the premiere of Hound Dog on TV. So is that the first time he was televised? I don't know. I think it was the first time that anyone had thought that um, pop music was too sexual for the masses or something. I don't know what it was, but, Cause he you know. Was showing off his dance moves. Yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> nothing drives the ladies crazy like moving your hips left and right in a pair of slacks and a sport coat. Hips from Satan. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that's exactly. But, you know, uh, to quote an equally venerated music artist, hips don't lie. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I can't wait till my wife listens to this and <laughs> turns it off right after that because she's heard that one before. All right. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Crawling King Snake, great tune. I think they did a great job. Yeah. Um, well, I really love the because um, you know they do they they bookmark it with two versions of it on the album. Right. Um, the I, I prefer the first one just because I I love. That's just me. I know some people like to just jump right into the song and feel great, whatever. <laughs> but it's like I like it when you can hear the the sound check and the the little back and forth. And then, I agree. And then they snap too, and boom, there's the magic. Because like I love how it starts off with the "You ready? Yeah," and it just gives you that studio feel for the opener. It's like, right. oh yeah, we're you're in the room. You know, yeah. you feel like the fly on the wall. It's like, okay, here we go. You're yeah, about to roll it out. And you know, you, you know as well as I do that live music is so much fun. Mm. Like even live music from someone you don't particularly like sure, can be yeah. pretty enjoyable. And uh, you're right. When they start off with a little soundtrack, it reminds me of being, you know, in some bar on lower Greenville <laughs> and seeing, you know, seeing some band warm up and be like, yeah. all right, you ready? You know? And uh, I have missed that in COVID more than mm. anything else. I've missed live music so much. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah. So, you know that was my that was my little micro dose of live of a live music feeling i guess your emotional tug when you hear yeah it. just enough right. to keep me i'm seeing the dead and company at the starplex in october and i'm oh, nice. i'm just trying to I'm just trying to you know stay healthy until then <laughs> yeah i'm seeing uh seeing my first concert in a long time uh next saturday are you really who yeah, you seeing uh israel nash you ever heard of him? No, I haven't. Yeah, he's uh, I think he's from New York, but he's like lived in Texas for a long time. Um, so they they call him like a Texas based musician. I think is what they okay. Say. But he's like Neil Young. He's like a modern Neil Young kind of okay. Uh, at least his last couple albums have been more Neil Youngish. Um, you should check him out. I think you'd really like him. Okay. Uh, but he's uh coming to there's a gastro pub in Grand Prairie now. Um, that does uh shows. Cool. And uh, he's coming. It's just like fifteen bucks. And, 
man. Yeah. If you're not doing anything, I don't know you're all busy. Yeah. I got <laughs> As with most things, I got to ask my wife. <laughs> Mainly because she is better at keeping control of what's going on in my life, <laughs> which is which is good for me. I mean, that's the <laughs> play your strength. That's cool. Yeah. But he's, yeah. He's on the 12th. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Okay. But I'll yeah, so that's mind. my like regenesis of the Man. experience of you know being in the concert sweating next to fellow music lovers. i know i've missed it so much <laughs> i miss the drives home when you get to kind of reflect oh, yeah, on stuff your ears are ringing yeah did you enjoy the concert like, what <laughs> <laughs> yeah did you enjoy the concert oh it's about 12 30. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously though yeah I, I love that that come down of the like oh do you remember when they started like that song and we thought it was this one i, I don't know I just yeah just, oh yeah yeah love it i love it so yeah. much but, but yeah this this gives off that kind of energy that that um i don't know what you would call it like that um like I don't want to say like producing something is filtering it or compressing it in some way. I mean, kind of it is in a way, but this kind of feels uncompressed. This feels kind of that that untouched, like yeah. straight from the instrument to the speaker to your ear. There's no, there's not all of this, you know, maneuvering and and finessing in the background. These are just dudes that knew what the track was going to be. They executed it and moved on. Yeah, you know. And uh, and I won't do this for every track, I promise. But, but you know, you and I were talking earlier. If you want to write blues lyrics, mm. oh yeah, <laughs> sex, oppression, booze, and uh, snakes. Yeah, and I, I think if you, I think if you read the lyrics, um, you know, without listening to the music, you would probably think that it is a lusty poem mm. written by well, someone. An interesting thing too is this is about only half the lyrics of the yeah. original. I, I noticed that too. And it, you know, it's so unusual. Uh, I, again, I guess John Lee Hooker might've been ahead of the game a little bit, but you know, it's unusual to have an old blues song that has a lot of, lyrics. a lot yeah. of lyrics. I mean, a, a lot of times it's, you know, there might be two or three stanzas that are just repeated. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and and I've I listened to probably four or five different versions yesterday. Yeah, and you know, it's like each one kind of picked and chose which verses they wanted to yeah. like, include and exclude. Like, Hooker wrote a book. I just want to see a few pages. He's over there writing the Odyssey, and someone's like, "Yeah, I don't know." Give <laughs> that epilogue. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe like one chapter. Yeah. Um, well, that's what's funny because like I heard this song, I was like, I feel like the Doors one said more, and I listened to that one, yeah. and I was like, Yeah, he said a lot more. And I listened to the original, I'm like, Whoa, he said it's even more. <laughs> yeah, because the Doors one has. I mean, two or three extra verses, I think, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, he adds in some stuff, yeah. Yeah. But this one, yeah, it's just, it's literally just kind of like, you know, crawl up to your door, crawl up to your window, <laughs> crawl up on your floor, and, like, that's kind of it, and they just kind of revolve that, you know? Yep. Uh, but hey, it's freaking like number one on all the rock freaking charts. So what yeah. the hell are you gonna judge it for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we definitely, we definitely want to be sure that we're not being critical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or ne <laughs> negatively critical. Anyway. This is an interesting decision. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't realize it until you know digging yeah. in. But but yeah, it's a great song. Um, I love that that hard hitting, crawling, smooth beat. You know that they got going or that Pat's going. Uh, Great bass accompaniment with the uh, just like deep, strong groove in the background. Um, 
Um, yeah, it's just good old smooth blues, man. And that uh, that slide guitar just adds so much of that extra flair. I mean, to the whole album, it's that it's like the it's the caramel on the Sunday. It's just that extra little ooh. It is, <laughs> and and you know this this really sets the tone for the Delta style because. Um, you know, you hear about the different types of blues out there. And if you hear Chicago blues, typically it's going to be, you know, horns and mm. kind of a little bit more fanfare involved. You hear Texas blues, it's going to be electric and smacking in the face with stuff, which is uh, maybe it's just because I'm from here. But, you know, that's my favorite. Yeah, that's that, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the Delta that was that was all built and, and specifically the Hill Country Delta stuff, mm-hmm. which is what all this is. It's all built on hooks and grooves and, 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 you know, I'll talk about this more later, but some of these rhythm tracks almost sound like they would belong to, um, uh, Krongbin, Krongbin. Oh, Krongbin. Yes. Good Lord. Sorry. I apologize to them. They're a Texas band and I, I just <laughs> slaughtered it after just, you know, pouring my heart out. So very sorry, but it, it almost has that kind of feel to it where yeah. it's just a good kind of. Like you want to just have a drink and kind of nod your head, like it's, well, just, it's just good and groovy, but not in the like seventies, you know, groovy kind of way. What's <laughs> <laughs> well, uh? There's a line in um, there's a line in uh, from the album uh, "L.A. Woman" in that song "Wasp." Where oh he, yeah, what does he say? Um, wait, because he talks about blues. Yeah. Uh, because uh, I love that line. Yeah, he says like it's it's cruel and hard to master. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, he says I want to tell you about Texas radio and the big beat comes out of the Virginia swamps, cool and slow with plenty of precision, with the backbeat narrow and hard to master. Yeah, that's like, I I love that line because it's it, a great line because it gives like a good like insight into like I don't know how to describe. <laughs> A proficient blues artist. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. He accidentally wrote a very good, like, thesis statement for the entirety of Texas blues yeah. as, a, as a genre. Yeah. But, I, but I love that. Uh, <laughs> In this paper, I will discuss. I mean, that, that sounds like it should be the next the next line. Yeah. But I've just always loved that line. I mean, that's a, that's an interesting song in and of itself. But the I just love that line, the cool and slow with plenty of precision with the backbeat narrow and hard to master. Yeah, it's, it give it like it 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 like exudes like some kind of legendary status. Yeah, it's like it's like the chupacabra of music. Yeah, like some some vaguely mythical thing. Some but if you saw one, you would probably believe it. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's like he's describing Stevie Ray Vaughan. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah he shows up in the studio like what what are you doing over there? Like, what is that going on? But yeah, but yeah, it's a really cool song. I really enjoyed it. I think I played when they first released it. You know, I think I played it like every couple times every day <laughs> yeah because this this came out about a month first is that right yeah it was the single april of of this year yeah so um, but yeah and and uh the only other john lee hooker song um that i knew was uh um te- i mean there's two versions of it but like the boom 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 bang 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 right. song that he has um, he also wrote one bourbon one scotch and one beer which um, for anyone who's listening who has literally ever been to any bar everywhere, <laughs> anywhere, uh, they always play the George Thorogood one, you know, one uh, bourbon, one scotch. Yeah. Mm. It's uh anyway, John Lee Hooker, pretty pr- pretty prolific writer though. Yeah. And, and kind of an early icon, but uh but yeah. But this is uh 
it's a good one. Great way to set, you know, start the album off. It really oh, sets the yeah. tone yeah. And, and the tone does not waver, which is nice. Yeah, no, that's, that's one thing that's cool about this album is, I mean, yeah, they've all got this, it's like similar styles throughout the whole thing. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just the Delta blues, but all, each of them has their own little, you right. know, uh, characteristic that sets them apart. Um, whether it's more of a story song or it's got a, a different instrument this time that adds a little bit of a flair or finesse to the, you know, the end of a measure or whatever. Uh, I've just really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, and I, I've, I've, I think my favorite ones are like, um, like that one's really good. I love Crawling King Snake, but one, uh, like, I, and I've always loved the track Poor Boy. Um, but I really enjoyed, uh, uh, like Cold Black Maddie going down south and louise like i I wasn't extremely familiar with those yeah um but man it's like i I just kept going back to those those are really cool and that's the second one is louise yeah great segue you can tell you've been doing this a while now (laughs) (laughs) no i I love louise mississippi fred mcdowell uh one of my um you know i haven't listened to a lot of mississippi fred mcdowell Mm -hmm by himself but sure. mississippi fred mcdowell i believe worked with willie dixon a little bit oh, okay. and wrote a lot of stuff that ended up being maybe not full-on covered but incorporated by a lot of um you know the harder rock bands in the 60s mm. and uh i'm looking and i did a very poor job in my notes and i didn't write any of them down but i do know that that exists um that they work together well, and that that Mississippi Fred McDowell just wrote a lot of songs that ended up, you know, in the hard kind of harder blues rock movement oh, of yeah. the late '60s and early '70s with bands like Zeppelin and Jeff Beck and oh, what all songs those kind did of uh, Zeppelin did? did yeah. Well, that's what I was trying to think. I didn't write it down, which yeah. is unlike me. You know that. You know. <laughs> you know I'm normally a better note taker. Uh, Shake them on down is it? It's yeah, and I think that probably ended up in. Well, you know, we talked about it. Led Zeppelin stole music from everyone. So <laughs> this is probably the exact lyrics to Stairway to Heaven or something. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But but I do. The, so the lyrical content of Louise, uh, kind of interesting, because what I get out of it is it sounds like a man being involved with either a married woman or a white woman. Because, I mean, remembering when the song was yeah. written and by whom. Um, and that they need to keep the existence of that relationship hidden. Hid, yeah. Um, so that's good. The original Mississippi Fred McDowell version, very, I mean, you know, because it's old, uh, acoustic. It is unaccompanied. It's just, it's just Fred McDowell and his guitar. Yeah. Um, but it is, I mean, just a textbook example of that kind of hill country Delta style. Yeah. Um, that that permeates everything in the album, but it's just uh, I don't know. It's just a good blues song. Is all yeah. it is. I mean, it's, there's nothing <laughs> well, more, nothing less. I feel like we're gonna like wrap up every track description with that because <laughs> I just like that's what they did. They pinpointed like their best representations of like what's damn good blues, you know, Delta blues tunes. Yeah. Um. One one cool thing about this song is I found out that uh, Dan owns the original guitar that. Really, Fred McDowell used. That's pretty cool. And he, and he obviously used it for this song. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, why uh, not? Because he did. A, I think they did an interview like just yesterday or the day prior with uh, like CBS or something. And uh, yeah, and like he was showing like the original footage of Fred like playing it, and he's like, "Oh, that's this one right here." That's and cool. Like, that's crazy. Um, yeah, uh, 
Yeah, this was a good one. I really like the uh, addition of the percussion, little congos like on the, yeah, on the side. It, that it was, was a cool. Little, it was cool. It's a cool little like additional beat rhythm, rhythm keeper, or whatever. It was. Um, and a little tidbit here. Uh, I I looked through the internet and didn't see anyone really confirming this or Dan ever saying this. So I don't know if this is the first time it's been said or whatever. But I really love Dan's first solo album, Keep It Hid. Yeah. And I realized I think this is the song where he got that from. Probably so. Yeah. Because that's... um. Oh, I do have it written down. Okay. Yeah. So, because you're right. And I, I think it's that little kind of stuff that ended up... I mean, even in like Traveling Riverside Blues that Zeppelin did. Mm. It's a lot of Keep It Hid stuff. Um, Mississippi Fred McDowell did write You Gotta Move, by the way. And the Rolling Stones oh, covered it, um, uh, which is... It's a good version, but I, I saw two interesting things about this song that I wanted to mention. And the first is Mississippi Fred McDowell did not begin recording music until he was 53 years old. Oh, wow. Which was in 1959. That's crazy. <laughs> he wrote and played music kind of around the Delta and around those little towns in Mississippi, but he didn't record music until he was in his 50s. Huh. And he had a lot of jobs. He was like a you know, clerk at a store and a laborer at a something, you know, whatever. But I thought that was pretty neat. So when he started recording music in the late fifties, he had a backlog of songs that he had written. Yeah. And, um, this song in particular, um, but Mississippi Fred McDowell in general, being a slide guitarist was another huge influence of my favorite redhead, Bonnie Raitt. (laughs) Um, and between between Mississippi Fred McDowell's um, songs and Kenny guitar, uh, Kenny Brown offering actual lessons, Bonnie Raitt got really into that slidey sound. And if yeah. you if you listen to by, by the way, if you ever want to do these on a Bonnie Raitt album, I mean, sign me up, man. <laughs> You're my man. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm your Bonnie Raitt go to. It is uh, it is a weird fanboy thing I have going on, and I'm just embracing it. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> Love Bonnie Wright, man. <laughs> She's got a good live concert from Montreux in like 77 or so. What's your favorite uh, Bonnie song? Oh, man. Well, that's hard because she has a really good cover of Guilty, which was actually written by Randy Newman. Hmm. It's so good, though. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. There's so many good ones. It's not. It's not. Let's give them something to talk about. It's not. That's. I don't like that one. Um, it's the cop out answer. It is, and it always makes me think of that scene in Step Brothers where Will Ferrell sings it to oh, like show yeah. what a beautiful voice he has. <laughs> so, like, I already didn't super care for the song because it was a little too poppy. Yeah. But then now I associate it with. Yeah, like <laughs> it goes from that to Will Ferrell putting his junk on a drum drum head. And, and I just I can't I, I can't handle it can't anymore, keep man. It serious anymore. I can't. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh man. But uh, but yeah, this was a cool one. I really like this one, um, and I also like how it ends. I like how it ends with him saying, "You want to fade out on that?" Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't fade out on that. It just. Ends. It just stops. Yeah, it's like that's like that keeps up that studio producer, right? Because that's the other thing is, I like ever since I want to say, like post Fat Possum, like I think when they started like Magic Potion, like Dan uh, was like leading the charge on like how it was produced. Like he was really involved. It wasn't just some engineer up there doing it and do, taking their best uh, uh, 
understanding of what they were doing and mastering it out. It's like he he's always been producer mindset, and right. and in fact, once they started winning Grammys, you know, I think he was on the Academy uh, uh, panel or whatever um, for producers or whatever, and he. And I, and, I, and I think that's that's another thing that's that's uh, characteristic in this album of him is like, yeah, it's like that, this is very him because it's like it's not just the music he grew up on and what he really honors and respects, but it's also like it's what he likes about music. It's like I don't it doesn't have to have some like clean, bright, super intro. It's like maybe it's just like us talking and then we snap too. it's like I love it when that works out in the studio. I love it when that works out live, you know, because I think that's just where his head is. It's like I just. Love it when it builds and then, wow, here we are. You've arrived, you know? And that kind of keeps that same kind of vibe of like, yeah, like you finish the song and you just get the little, the little, uh, not ad libs, but you know, a little commentary at the end. Yeah. It's cool. Gives yeah. it a little more uh, uh, character. I agree. Yeah. So much fun. Yeah. And then uh, that leads into the third track, which is uh, Poor Boy, A Long Way From Home, uh, which is a traditional blues song i mean I, you know from what i looked into it because i was very curious I, i've heard it i've heard it in like movies and just ran you know i've just i've heard it before and throughout my life and i was kind of curious of like where it's from it's it's kind of one of those songs too that has a blurred it is origin yeah so on the album they credit it to rl burnside yeah, but i think it's his version right, right? and yeah. it's it's just his arrangement yeah, yeah. because uh i found one that that reference i found one reference online for a guy named gus cannon having yeah. been the author it was like from 1900 or something right yeah, yeah. And i tried to find more on gus cannon and there's not Much a lot more. out of that i mean it's yeah. kind of ironic for a guy named Canon. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, not a whole lot of uh, canonical information about this song, but uh, you're right. I think this might be one of those just kind of traditional one. I mean, you know, if if someone ever does dis- decide to do a true deep dive, they're probably going to find out. It's like, well, this was written during the Civil War as Sherman was marching to the sea. <laughs> yeah. And, it, you know, it's one of those yeah. things where... Um, I mean, because, I mean, the song in and of itself, when, when I read is like, there's a lot of variations, a lot of variations, but most of them include a slide guitar. Like that's kind of the main right. part of the song, and and then just the phrase "Poor boy, I'm a long way from home," and that's it. And yeah. it just kind of cycles through as an old, just standard, just keeps cycling, just loop through. Yeah. Um, but um, but this version's really cool. Uh, it's high energy. It's good. Like good song to like drive to you know it is it's it's one of those songs where the lyrical content and the mood of the music uh don't really fit mm. like the lyrics are kind of a bummer but the music is like all right let's go 90 let's go up and do something yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I did see one reference that it might have been of appalachian origin which i'm noticing in my notes i misspelled um <laughs> Uh, and that it might be a spin of an old English folk song, although I couldn't find any information on what old English folk song and whether old English just meant like oh. it was both old and from England or it was written in a form of English that you oh, and I wouldn't be understand. able to comprehend. <laughs> Who knows? If it was on Wikipedia, it could have been some British No, <laughs> Well, so, I, you know, I pull the old, uh, the old researcher's trick of getting on Wikipedia and then looking at the sources on Wikipedia yeah. and going to those. And even on that, it was like, it could be an old English folk tune. And I'm like, okay, Ronald McDonald could have written it, I guess. I mean, like... Could have invented the bird. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this could be the first song ever written. Um <laughs> There's no way to, I mean, that's, it's such a stupid word. Yeah, it could have, I guess. <laughs> hey, 
I mean, it's, hey, it's, you're the lawyer. They're just playing the game, right? Yeah, well, that's <laughs> a, it, it reminded me there, there's a legal phrase that is uh, reductio ab absurdum, which means reduced to absurdity. Mm. Uh, and I apologize to any classics majors out there for butchering that Latin. Oh, well, it sounds like a Harry Potter. It does, case. right? Um, <laughs> Spell to me. <laughs> but, you know, but but that reducing something to absurdity, uh, absurdity is like saying, oh, well, you know, if I hadn't come here today, I wouldn't have stopped at Quick Trip and bought beer. Um, and then your response is, oh, yeah, well, yeah, if you hadn't been born at all, then we wouldn't be yeah. doing that. You know, that's, right, yeah. that's reducing it to absurdity. And that's kind of what the, oh, it could be based yeah. on an English folk song. <laughs> oh, could it? <laughs> could it have been written by a triceratops? <laughs> maybe that, maybe that's what it's happened. The first dinosaur song ever hummed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ever grunted. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. They found sheet, sheet music in the fossils. Carved into the wall. <laughs> yeah. My God. <laughs> but it predates the use of human tools by 25 million years. 25 BC. Yeah. <laughs> but I agree. It's a great song. It is yeah. a great driving song. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a uh, good classic. It and, is. And, and it's been done a lot. It's been it has. by a lot of people. I mean, Jeff Beckley, uh, freaking, it's a lot of different people. Have done oh, yeah. It. Yeah. But yeah, that one's pretty good. Uh, and then that leads into uh, track four, which is Stay All Night by Junior Kimbrough. I don't have too much to say about this one. It's just kind of like a smooth blues number about wanting to make love, like what you said. And it's just <laughs> yeah. Sticking to the uh, classics. Right. Sex, <laughs> oppression, booze. Um, so this this is my favorite all-around track on the album. Okay. I, I like the feel. Yeah. I like the tempo. You know, the lyrics are what the lyrics are. It's a blues song. We've already covered this. And like, if you don't want to hear about sex, oppression or booze, don't listen to the freaking blues, man. Like, don't, don't do it. That's all you're going to hear. And, and it's all going to be great if that's what you want to hear. Um, but I, I did want to mention something about this song. Um, there's an old Bob Wills tune. Um, by the way, hometown Turkey, Texas, okay. way out in the panhandle. They have Bob Wills Day every year. Oh. Um, but there's an old Bob Wills tune called Stay All Night, parentheses, Stay a Little Longer. Mm. And the first uh, verse is Stay All Night, Stay a Little Longer, Dance All Night, Dance a Little Longer, Throw Off Your or Pull Off Your Clothes, Throw Them in the Corner. Mm. Don't see why you don't stay a little longer. And it's just like a little, and it wouldn't, I mean, this was a, this was a white country traveling band in the 30s and 40s. And so I if someone was like, oh, yeah, Bob, Bob Wills just straight up stole that, then I would absolutely believe that he stole it from Junior Kimbrough. <laughs> and maybe that's the case. But I, I just I did think that that was interesting. The lyrics were well, similar enough. But then after that, they they diverge greatly. But so you're, but you're saying that version came out. Like in the 40s. Is that what you said? Uh, yeah, yes. Because then juniors come out in the 90s. Because Junior was well, around. yeah, but I I wasn't sure because you know a lot of those there's some of those where it's like oh yeah he didn't record it until 1985 or whatever yeah but you know he lived for such a long time and I wondered if he had written them much earlier hmm. and had them because I I've heard other versions of this that I could have sworn predated the J Junior Kimbrough version mm -hmm. but I just figured it was one of those where he wrote it and you know sold it to someone for like a beer or whatever. <laughs> Well, I mean, he was he was signed to Fat Possum. Um, it's the uh, it says it came out in '95 on the album All Night Long. Um, uh, yes, it, wow, um, this is pretty uh, 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 
heavy album like um <laughs> like uh, uh uh notable songs like this 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 album has uh do the rump stay all night meet me in the city and uh, nobody but you good lord yeah that's nuts. <laughs> that's a good album it's, um it's most of true lahoma isn't it yeah yeah it is yeah that's nuts and it says uh the basis on it is gary burnside which i imagine is related to rl i would think so i don't know how many oh it's the son of ah, RL burnside well there we that's go cool anyways yeah um so yeah maybe maybe he took it you know took some notes from that old song you were talking about but I did like I like Junior's version because it was recorded with a full band, right. um, and you know there's and that's that's probably because of the kind of contemporary nature of it. But you know that that is one thing that I think it was a challenge not only for the Black Keys but any band, any kind of rock band who started with blues roots is so many of those old blues songs. I mean, it's one guy and a guitar, yeah, and trying to rearrange that for a full band. I think probably prevent some challenges i you know i've never produced an album but i would imagine that uh figuring out those arrangements is some something of a challenge yeah well i imagine with stuff like this i mean like how i would handle it like as a producer or even as just a guitarist would be you start simple and you finesse from the yeah from your layers you know you you build you build off of the basic you know that's what we say but the um but that's crazy that's a I need to check out the rest of that album because it's like apparently I know yeah. the first half of that one. <laughs> uh, well, I don't have any much anything else on this one. Uh, I don't either. Just I, I will mention very quickly since since this is a Junior Kimbrough tune that uh, every picture I found of Jim uh, Junior Kimbrough online looked like he was immensely hungover. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, it's like cigarette he, dangling out of his mouth, he, wife beater of just like yeah, bags beat, under his eyes. Wife beater or no shirt at all. Standing yeah. in front of a building with his arms down. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm junior. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? What? Y- yeah. <laughs> Every picture of him, I was like, I've done that before. <laughs> like, yeah. I've, I've, it's kind of, it's kind of cool because it's like, it's like, he, 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 when you look at those pictures, it's like you might not think. It's like, there, there goes this, like, you know, yeah. stylistic blues guitarist who's like really lyrical and like, yeah, it's like he, he's he's the driving force of a lot of his own music. It's like it's just it's it's just interesting and like yeah, and he's from the '90s. He's not from the you know like '70s or '80s when like maybe that was a little more popular or whatever, easier to be popular. But it was just yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, here, I'm gonna add this album right now. <laughs> well, while you're doing that, uh, so going into the next track, going down south. It's another R.L. Burnside. Yeah. Um, this is this was fun because the Black Keys have an actual music video of it on YouTube. Mm. Um, that's like a produced music video. It's not just like you know a really good camera recording them. Mm. You know, recording it. Right. Um, so that was cool. It also lyrically, I mean, uh, again, sex, oppression, booze. This one covers sex and a little bit of oppression, but more of on a personal nature because mm. it uh, kind of rings of infidelity to me. But you know, I don't know. I'm <laughs> I uh, I'm not an English major. Uh, <laughs> call my wife; she's an English major. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> I actually like R.L. Burnside's version a little bit better. 
Um, and it has more lyrics in it, right? It has more yeah. lyrics, and there is a version that is a little bit funkier. Like it's it's still just him and a guitar, but uh-huh. the groove just has a little bit of stank or yeah. something on it. I, I don't know. It's yeah. just got a little a little bit of soulfulness or something that hmm. this one is just lacking, which is which is rare for this album. They normally just nail that. Mm. But uh, yeah, I think I think uh, Burnside's version has just a little bit of funk to it that this one could have used. Mm. Well, I like, uh, um, oh gosh, who's this guy? Dan Dan produced an album for uh, someone on his label recently. Uh, dang it, where is this album? I just added it. Uh, Tony Joe White. Yeah, and um, and in one of the songs, he uses this this sound. And they use the sound in this song. It's that high pitched ringing. Sound. Yeah. And uh, it, it, I think on this song, on this song, it only happens for the first two measures, and it's like the first fourth. Like at the end of each fourth measure, they do the thing. I'm pretty sure I haven't looked into this at all. Just off of like my awareness of the guitar, I'm pretty sure they're plucking the bottom string above the fretboard, like on the headboard where it's super tight, and it's like. Ding, like that just, would make sense, and like putting some kind of effect on it to make it just like oof, really resonate for a long time. But I love that sound. It's yeah. such a like it like it's sharp and it cuts through. And I like how they don't use the whole song because I feel like that could be like a kind of a jarring thing after right. a while. But it's cool, and they, and I use it in that uh, Joe White, uh, Tony Joe White, Tony Joe White, yeah, um, album um, on the on one of the songs. Um, but uh, that was cool. Um, I love uh, when Dan uses that higher range vocal. Uh, it sounds really good. <laughs> I, you know, that takes an incredible amount of confidence, yeah. I think, yeah. and self assuredness uh, that I don't have. Um, <laughs> but you're right. I like it. It sounds good. It it fits the song perfectly. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that kind of higher register there. Yeah, it's, it sounds it's pretty good. cool. Like the only thing that's more impressive than like just holding that the whole song mm-hmm. is like going back and forth between some low and high, low and high, <laughs> right. low and high. Yeah, like going from bon- Barry White to Smokey Robinson in, yeah. in one verse. Have you ever listened to Bonavir? No, I haven't. Oh, Man, really? this is twice. You I like you normally get me once a day. I, <laughs> this is twice. Man, I feel especially bad today. That's crazy. Man, you should check them out. Um, so it's uh, B-O-N-I-V-E-R, two words. Um uh, me and my brother-in-law just reviewed their last album. Right? Oh yeah, because they've got the that they've got an album like with Taylor Swift or something. Yeah, he produced one with her. Okay, uh, folk exile is the song yeah, that exile I've heard. Song, yeah. yeah, my wife love. I like it. I've liked mm-hmm. it every time I've heard it. And I am not a huge Taylor Swift. Well, well, not a anything Taylor Swift person, but I do like that. So, I, like you're just, since you like love music so much, the, the I I think it's like three dudes are the core group. There's, there's a lot of other people that they incorporate, like session people and stuff like that, and they, they just put a lot of production work into what they do. But man, they make everything as like, almost like, to me, they try and make every track like as unique and audibly unique as possible. And, cool. And I mean, they use like uh, self-made and altered like vocoders to like just get these crazy effects. And and uh, like they they just released their fourth album, which is like they, they, they released them as seasons. So the first album that they released like 10 years ago or whatever for Emma Forever ago is kind of like winter. It's more singer-songwriter, a little slower, intense. And then Bonavir, the self-titled one's a little more like chippery. It's a little different. It's a little brighter. So it's like kind of like spring. And then the next one is like super out there. It's like really crazy. Um, that one's called 22 <laughs> a million. Like all the track 
titles are like real crazy looking, like real like eclectic <laughs> titles. The drug fueled summer is that, is that the season we're going <laughs> kind for? Of, yeah, <laughs> and then and then their last one, I comma I. It's like they take like the, the all those the last albums and uh, oh, there's our new cat. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, and they take all the new albums or all the previous albums and kind of bring them together because like the 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 summer one the 22 million they get real experimental like real kind of out there <laughs> but then their last one they kind of really rein it in rein it in yeah, yeah and they bring in uh uh um oh my god uh hornsby oh bruce hornsby yeah hornsby's on yeah it. very uh, accomplished keyboardist and producer yeah yeah and and uh um there's a couple of people on there that i think you'd like um but yeah you gotta check them out because you just you appreciate music so much that it's one of those groups that it's like I don't know. They're kind of like I don't want this to. I don't know. I don't want this to offend anybody. But you know how like uh, the prog rock, the progressive rock version of Genesis was like real. Like they were kind of that mindset. Like, yeah, you know, and like, way better than the Phil Collins led Genesis. <laughs> yeah, I do know that. <laughs> but it's like you know, like their their writing was really like careful and composed. Oh and, yeah, like, really. Thoughtful. The, the lamb lies down on Broadway. Forget about it, man. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, and just like the the composure of it was real complex. We're just really thoughtful. There's like a lot of in depth uh, uh, production value in it. Well, this, this is what it reminds me of of that kind of like Brian Wilson. Uh, oh my god, Genesis approach to like obsessing over the music and just like yeah, yeah that sounds good. But like I've heard that before though. Like we gotta we gotta add an edge to it. We've gotta finesse it a little bit more. And uh, there's one of those groups. Um, the the lead singer is uh, Justin Vernon. I don't know if you've heard of him, but um, but yeah, man. I mean, they've collaborated with a bunch of people lately, um, like Aaron Dresner from uh, The National. And, right. Uh, I mean, he's been on a couple of Kanye albums, <laughs> um, like Lost in the World and uh, Hold My Liquor. That's a Bonavir beat or or whatever um, edition. Sorry, we we just recently got a. A new cat and she's really shy and i just can't believe she's walking around right now yeah that's crazy oh well, i i like to think i exude a general aura of harmlessness at least towards <laughs> animals that's yeah good. no i'm with you I, I think uh man that's foxtrot that's an album we should do sometime mm. the old old genesis good peter gabriel genesis oh man that'd be good i think man what's up i only i can only think of one song off it oh, i'm trying to think of what else is on there I can't. I always, I always just put it on, and I forget to even like listen to the differences in the tracks. You know uh -huh. what I mean? <laughs> right. Because it's it, I, that is one thing about the old Genesis. Um, you, it's it's really hard to just listen to like one song. Watcher of the Skies is great. Timetable. Get them out by Friday. Can Utility and the Coastliners. Timetable. Timetable is great. Horizon and then Supper's Ready is the big like twenty five minute. It's it's the entirety of side two. Oh, really? Um, yeah, on vinyl. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's good. It's got some. Uh, it's got some pretty cool stuff in there. And you're right. It's I. You know, I've never really thought about Brian Wilson and Peter Gabriel kind of having similar. But man, you're, that's a really good observation. Well, it's just that like obsessive nature. It's yeah. Like. It's not enough yet, you know, because I mean, it's like, you know, have you have you watched that documentary on Netflix, the Echo in the Canyon one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like when they were interviewing Brian Wilson, he's talking about like 
how like i think he's breaking out an album but he i think he talks about one song he's like oh well, i went to this studio for the strings i went to this studio in new york for the oh uh, yeah just the percussion part he, he's a complete savant yeah it's, it's incredible yeah it's like he just he he, he knows how it, the, 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 it needs to be stacked and if it's not it's if it's not in the pattern he wants it, it's just not going to work and i don't know that that's what it, it feels like when i listen to their music it's just like god there's so much like awareness and like I don't know, healthy obsession. Who knows? I, I want to say two things. The first is when I was an undergrad, um, A&M had this like nuclear physicist or something hmm. come give a presentation. And I was taking a class where if I went to that and wrote a paragraph about it, I would get an extra, you know, an extra grade or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so I went and that guy talking about science that was just in a complete different atmosphere than I was intellectually. Uh -huh. Right. That's what I feel like listening to Brian Wilson talk about music. Cause it's like, I kind <laughs> of like, he'll say like, I'll catch every like fifth war fifth phrase, you know, I'll just, it's just blah, 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 a minor, blah, 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 B sharp blah, 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 in the middle eight, you know, I'm like, okay, I know what those words mean, but all that, all that stuff describing them. Nope, 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 yeah. nope, nope, nope. But uh, I also getting back to Bruce Hornsby, I did want to give a, a quick shout out to our mutual friend, Brad Fields, um, and, and my friend, Andrew Scoop Smith, who are the uh, two most diehard Bruce Hornsby. Yeah, you said uh, that on the White Album. Deep track fans, I know. And I, I take every opportunity I get to point out how much yeah. they like Bruce Hornsby <laughs> because it cracks me up. I like Bruce Hornsby. He played consistently with the Grateful Dead Yeah, yeah. Um, for a while, but... Um, why did you bring him up on the White Album? I can't remember. Oh, who knows? <laughs> I, probably just because Brad was here, and I, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I wanted to say something about it. <laughs> who knows, man? Um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, so but I'll, I'll, I'll back off Bruce Hornsby for now because that's... Well, check, yeah, check, check out that group, though. I think yeah, I will. I will because I do like Exile when it comes yeah. on. Yeah, well, I'll, uh, I'll send you a few songs, I think, that yeah. will give you an idea of, like, their variety. Please do. But uh, anyways, so we're about halfway through now. Um, we're on track six, Cold Black Maddie. It's a Rainy Burnett song. Uh, it's a great one. It's one of my favorites uh, grooves on the album. It is a really, really good song. Yeah, I really like. Um, like, I, I'll just talk about the, the musicianship. I guess, like, I really like how the the guitars are panned. I like how you have Kenny on the left with the slide, and you have Dan on the right with his guitar, and they kind of interchange sometimes. Um, it's just production wise, I just love that good balance because. They could probably blend and everybody would still love it, but I just love a good back and forth between a, you know two panned, panned guitars. Um, uh, the only really other note I, I wanted to add to this one was, um, have you, did you by chance watch uh, any videos of, our, of, of, of this being played? I didn't. Okay, so I found a, a video of RL uh, Burnside playing this on acoustic, and like, man, like, it, it was just such a crazy example of show. I mean, it's like a black and white old film, but like the dude's just like looking around the room and just doing it like it's nothing. <laughs> and his hands just, you know, going like, you know, just effortlessly moving. And it's just, it's all an acoustic. And he would like tap his like finger and the side of his thumb to keep the timing. So he's doing percussion and this and singing, just like not even looking at his hands. He's just like, he just knows exactly what he's doing. Leave him alone. That's incredible. 
So I, I did look up this song. So I, I had heard it recorded as Poor Black Matty mm. uh, by a group called Moreland and Arbuckle, and, uh, which is a couple of white dudes, I think, mm. the late 90s, early 2000s maybe. Um, a friend of mine in college gave me like a mix CD that just happened to have this on it. Mm. And frankly, I'd forgotten about it until I started listening to this album. Yeah. I was like, I'd, I've heard this, I this, but it was song. like a little bit different. Um, but something I wanted to mention about Rainy Burnett. So Rainy Burnett died in the year 2000 at the age of 93. Whoa. And uh, I just thought that that was pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, because he also didn't record this until 1980. Whoa. Um, wow. So he was uh, however old. Yeah. So, I mean, wow. it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty neat. That's uh, that's that's an old dog learning new tricks, I yeah. think. Um, or at least doing an old trick very, very, very well. Yeah. Well, I, I love those stories, man, because it just shows, like, how much goes into, like, I don't know how you want to put it. I'll just say cutting your teeth, you know, coming into your own. It's like there's a lot of background work. You know, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, it's like, you know, like me and my dad reviewed uh, Bill Withers' first album, Just As I Am, you know, a couple oh, yeah. ago. And he's a factory worker, you yeah. know. Uh, he was in the military, in the Navy, or in the Army, and uh, working on an airplane parts factory, you know. I mean, it literally, the, the, the album cover is him holding his lunch pail and his work clothes leaning up against his factory. And it's just like he was in his early 30s and just like he just loved music. He loved gospel music, soulful music and yeah. would write, you know, and then eventually just like, you know what, I'm trying to play these at a club. And like, <laughs> then it just ramped up and then here we are. But I just, I don't know. That's so amazing. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. that's impressive. Do you know how many I knows there are in a row in Ain't No Sunshine off the top of your head? I used to I used to know. I, I don't anymore. Oh, I think it's like 23 or yeah, something Yeah, so like it's that. something or crazy 22. like that. <laughs> so I think it's a set of five, four times or something like that, and then two at the end. Yeah. Because like yeah. I'm trying to learn that song right now, like just acoustic by itself. So I want to yeah. do that one. That's a, a great song. That's a good one. That's one. Man, she's, she's walking around everywhere. Sorry. Uh, hey, it's it's Crazy. my very outgoing nature. It brings it out in others. <laughs> well, do you have anything else for that one? I don't think so. Um I don't I don't really have anything and then moving on to do the rump. Yeah. And uh I think that this song has the best drums on the whole album. Mm. And first off, the ride just, I mean, it sounds like it, it's an inch thick. I mean, the, it is. It's such a good, strong. That's like the best piece of the kit. Oh I think, yeah, on the whole album. Oh yeah. Every time that ride hits, it's like warm. Oh, it is full body, like sound right in your ear. It is like, yeah. It's like he's like right there. It's, it's like, so <laughs> good. It is. I mean, it's it is just. I I don't know what symbols he uses if he has his own signature line or whatever, but. That ride, holy crap, man! And then there's a there's a wood block that mm. you can hear, and it's kind of on the ands of one and two, and then between three and four, yeah, you can hear it's a good you know like a wood block on the offbeats and beat or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, I know everything there is to know about music terminology, and um, but just the the whole drums and even going back and forth from the ride when he's when he's on the hi hats, the hi hats sound great, the snare sounds great, the kick sounds great, the toms mm -hmm. sound great, and the fills. I mean, this to me is 
I, and obviously this is a super guitar laden album, yeah. which, which you'd expect, but I mean, I just, I wanted to give uh, give some love out there to Pat. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because that, the drums are good on every track, but I think they are just, I mean, I, I don't think that they could possibly have been done any better on this song. Well, who knows? I mean, this song in its simplicity and in their experience with it, this, this might have been something that they could have done 10 times within 30 minutes just because they knew it so yeah. well. So <laughs> yeah. Like, and th- yeah. this was, well, not this version, but the version that's on the big come up mm-hmm. is the very first Black Keys performance I ever heard. Oh, nice. And that's that's what led to that friend of mine burning me the CD because he had it on in the gym at the high school while we mm. were playing basketball or something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm always going to have a soft spot for any version of Do the Rump, but <laughs> hearing a second kind of more refined one, but still that raw uh that raw feel to it yeah so great yeah that's super good i think i might i might still like the original one a little bit better just because it feels a little more lo-fi yes raw and and i and i agree with you like as if i'm picking one to listen to i'm gonna pick the one off the big come up but if if you're asking me which one has better drums it's this one yeah but but yeah the big it's so heavy it's right in your face it's it's, it does have that kind of lo-fi feel it's like if I'm doing like admin work, I'll listen to this version. If I'm about to like go on a sales call, I'll listen to the, the, yeah. old, the earlier one. <laughs> listen to this one for hiring people and the other one for firing people. Yeah, there you go. That's what you got to do. <laughs> but that's, yeah. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to say just a ton about that one just because it's the second version that they've done. And, yeah. you know. Yeah. But yeah, it's a good to me, it was like a classic Black Keys song, and then I was like, "Oh, it's a it's a cover." And then I like, hear the original one, but it's cool that they do it again. Like it just shows like they must have played that so much. Like, oh it yeah, like, yeah, it was like at their core. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and then that moves into another junior song, uh, "Sad Day, Lonely Nights." Um, so that that comes off of the album "Sad Day, Lonely Nights" by Junior, um, which came out in 1994. One cool thing I found out about that album is that entire thing was recorded live in Junior's club. Oh, cool! And he he just he did it without an audience. He did it on an off day when it was closed. Recorded the whole little set. And I think he does it twice. He like he bookends it with two different versions of it. Cool. Yeah, it's, inter- it's an interesting. That's neat. Yeah, this is uh this is one of those songs that is um uh kind of a life sucks then you die kind of song yeah you're gonna have some sad days maybe some lonely nights (laughs) okay but i but i do like it that uh man yeah it's it's so good it's just so good i do like this version a little bit better than juniors Mm. um but but they're they're very evenly matched i think Mm. again i mean they just did such a good job kind of paying homage to to junior kimbrough they just know his sound. They yeah, that, and that's that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's it's you know, if they sounded more like him vocally, they could be a tribute band, I guess. Yeah. But uh, well, I mean, they've this is basically they basically done one and a half junior tribute albums. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But uh, the only other thing I really had to add to this one was I love how it ends with, uh, you know, like the thing he just says, like, yes, sir. That was great. Yeah. Uh, Guess same thing. Gives you that small person. Gives you that feel, that small personal setting with them just knocking them out like one after another. Like, is that it? Like, yeah, that was good, man. We're done. (laughs) Yeah. Halfway through the set on the second day. Yeah. (laughs) 
Put it in the can. Let's go. You want to, this is our warm up. <laughs> oh, were you recording that? <laughs> yes, sir. That's where it actually came from. Yeah. This is uh, someone yes. in the uh, control room. Going, yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> of course we were. Uh, they moved from one junior song to another one with Walk With Me. Yeah. Um, another one I like. This is, this is another one that I thought just kind of sounded groovy kind of yeah it's just a good groove head nod yeah yeah yeah. i don't have much about to say about this one besides this one is just a good good junior groove this is like i don't know this is one of the songs that now i've become more familiar with him it's kind of what i would expect you know that right ambiance whatever he sets this was and i forgot to write down the time on this one but this one i think was like almost twice as long as junior kimbrough's original Oh yeah, this uh, one's like six minutes. Yeah, and it's it's no additional lyrics or anything. They just stretched out the yeah, kind of they musical. Jam a lot. Yeah, and it's um, which I I you know I like. I know you like. So oh, yeah. that was uh, super enjoyable. Yeah. Well, I think that because I, I think I don't know. Some people might find it. You know, I don't want to say degrading. That kind of sounds intense, but like <laughs> mildly degrading. And it's like it's a good album to work to. It's like. Yeah, it's like it, it's it's like it's 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 strong enough to where it keeps me in rhythm. It keeps me like in this you know certain kind of feeling vibe, whatever. But it's not uh, uh, weird or unexpected right. or too eclectic to to take me out of like this you know I don't know groove that you put me in. And that's the cool thing about this whole album is especially with the drums, the the rhythm that that Carney does the whole time. And yeah. like we we're talking about the quality of like the the cymbals and the the, the production on the drums. It's just like it's almost trance-like. It's just like, ooh, I'm in, I'm in this groove, you know. And it, and they don't take away from it, you know. It's like he, he doesn't alter his voice like a ton. He doesn't do like all these crazy things that you know, like, like I said, like maybe that that sharp tone that they use in going down south, you know, like that. To me, that's the only like big stark, you know, like sharp changeup that they would right. add into like the composition of one of the songs. And and in doing that, you know, there's no. You know, there's no volume issues. There's no like one song is way loud while this one's like super light, you know, and then they're one after the other. So you're like, oh, super like taken back. It's like it all just flows really well and it all just keeps a really great pace, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And I, I think I mean, I, I don't I don't take it as diminishing the impact of the work or at all to say it's a good song to do whatever to. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you <laughs> if you're going to listen to like you know king crimson or yes or or peter gabriel genesis like you kind of need to you kind of need to be in kind of a heady space right i mean if someone can do admin like spreadsheets while listening to the court of the crimson king I'm yeah i mean <laughs> right and and it's it's <laughs> yeah and, and like and i'm not knocking any of those no, bands no, 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 right no. it's just like it's got a I, place. I, I don't want to listen to that while i'm trying to concentrate on something else because that music i think requires be, concentration yeah it does yeah. i mean it's it's like it's like the sats of music right it's, <laughs> it, it, it is it requires a little bit of brain work even to just enjoy it which yeah. which is why i mean my wife hates prog rock because of that she's like i, I don't want to think like it's, it's, I, I do that all day i don't want to do it while i'm listening to music and i you know i see the merit in that argument i disagree with it and she's wrong but i do you know i see what she's saying um love you babe and um but yeah no i i think that that's exactly what this is this is just a good song for doing stuff yeah. i mean it's it's not i mean it's a good song in general. It's a good song to just listen to, but it is a song that you can have on while you're doing something else yeah. and not not lose any of the impact that the song is trying to make. Yeah. 
Yeah. And there's no like story arc in the song or yeah. you're like well who's this guy they're talking about I didn't pay yeah attention to that. yeah it's it's not it's not like one of those dylan story so you know it's not hurricane by dylan yeah. where, where you kind of have to love, now who's that guy now yeah. where'd he come from why'd they do that thing? Yeah. why is he in jail um <laughs> did he kill that guy um yeah no i, I agree and again not knocking dylan either i love hurricane love yeah. dylan but um Just no I'm, I'm with you yeah well, and then uh, next up is uh, coming to the one we spoke about earlier, the Mellow Peaches. Uh, Mellow Peaches. Yeah, uh, which I, I like the original one. That's a really good one, uh, Big Joe Williams. I uh, do too. But I love this one. I love the, uh, it's a great organ uh, included in it. Oh, that. yeah. That was really cool. Love the organ. The, the great, steady, just blues beat. It's just, it's just the whole thing, whole, whole time, that steady beat. Uh, it's awesome, uh, and then uh, I love the the outro uh, with the guitar solos and the keys. Just, oh yeah, just wrapping so it good. up. Just yeah, another little jam, kind of to play it out. Super good. It's an it's an awesome song. It is. So, two things about this song. The first is the term "mellow peaches." Mm. Um, so that is an actual term used to describe peaches that are perfect, perfectly ripe for picking and eating directly off oh. the tree. Okay. And in the thriving metropolis of Weatherford, Texas, they have a peach festival every year. Yeah. And there's also a little malt shop um, that you can get a peach malt or a peach shake. Mm Mm-hmm. Now I want to preference all this by saying I hate peaches. It's the weirdest thing. I don't like I don't like peach cobbler. Don't like peach ice cream. Don't like peach schnapps. Don't like peach anything. Don't like peaches. Hmm. Um, But they uh the malt shop or whatever it was there in weatherford uh-huh. it used to be during the peach festival they would change their marquee from saying peach shakes to mellow peach shakes hmm. and i never knew what that meant until i got old enough to be on the internet and <laughs> looked it up and it was like yeah it's a peach that's perfectly ripe for picking and eating right then i was oh. like okay so mellow peaches just means a really, really, really good peach. Yeah. Huh. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to say about this is, uh, oh, and by, by the way, also peaches, if you start looking through a lot of blues and other rock songs, peaches, pretty common euphemism for boobs. It, it just is. Mm. Even on this one, mellow peaches on your tree. Um, but even, th- I mean, think about the Steve Miller song, really love your peaches when oh, you shake, yeah, your shake your tree. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, you listen to enough blues, you're like, oh, it has peaches in it. I know what they're talking about. <laughs> Some kind of body part. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing is uh, Joe Williams, big Joe Williams played a nine string guitar, nine oh. strings, and they make nine string guitars that have um they have three lower strings a c sharp f sharp and b and then it gets into the eadg you know yeah um but big joe williams not one to do something not not one to pay for something that he could do himself built his own nine string guitar using a six string guitar and just octaved a couple of the strings so it's it's a nine string guitar but it's not like a nine string guitar it's a six string guitar that has nine strings that he just tuned himself yeah and i I tried to find a good picture that i was going to print out and bring up here today but i couldn't even find a good enough picture i did find a picture of some guy who looked like he was probably in one of those like 
hair prog metal bands from like the late 80s early 90s uh-huh. like the through the fire and the flames guys yeah uh, playing a nine string guitar and the fretboard looked like it was about four inches tall and i'm like how do you oh what, yeah what do you do well it's like those uh, uh six six seven string bass yeah exactly like, like thundercat uses or it's like yeah this is madness it's like i have a 12 that there's a 12 string guitar oh yeah in there but i mean that's like a mandolin i mean it's just right octave difference that you're playing in unison right but it's like totally you know yeah additional strings that are separate like that's yeah. i mean that's cool because i mean you could you have so much more variety in where you could place your sound or shift you know but it's nuts it's impressive and right. and the fact that he, tra- he fashioned his own <laughs> yeah. is nuts but i would like to see a nine string guitar in person and see what that the the lowest string the c sharp i would love to see i mean it probably looks like piano wire I mean, it's it's probably a huge yeah. string, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, I wonder. Or a bass string, I guess, even. Yeah, I wonder if there's like a like a notable like manufacturer that makes it. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Probably Ibanez. They always make those weird offshoot guitars every once in a while. Sure enough, first one pops up. Is Ibanez. it really? <laughs> it's such an Ibanez thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Ibanez, like Schechter or like Jackson or something. It's Ooh, Jackson would have been a good answer. Oh yeah, Jackson would have been a great answer. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny. I've been <laughs> well. If someone says like esoteric guitar, like that's what I think of. I the only seven star, seven string guitar I've ever held was an Ibanez. Um, yeah, I'm trying to pull this picture up. <laughs> I can't wait to see this. Oh, they have the wonkiest website in the hell. Is it the Ibanez website? No, it's oh. some like weird audio company. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, holy crap. Yeah, nuts, that <laughs> for the viewers or listeners, I guess if you were viewers, I wouldn't have to describe it. But I mean, that's a cool guitar. Yeah, it's a it's a nice looking guitar. But yeah, that, that fretboard that's is pretty man. big. You better have big hands. Yeah, yeah. I think that's <laughs> like that Shaquille O'Neal would make that look like a regular size guitar. I think the fretboard. Yeah, the board. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not the full body. Yeah, not but, the full body. But, but the board, like, oh, this is normal. Yeah, <laughs> finally something I can play. <laughs> um, sorry, Shaq. Um, but yeah, but yeah, Mellow Peach is great song, great groove. Um, yeah. That twangy guitar, that that organ, yeah. the beat. It's just well, and the next one too, the the Ender. Um, yeah, the Come and Go with Me by Junior. That one's another cool, smooth tune with uh, that great balance between that organ and the slide. It's like that's I don't know. That's that that cool and hard to master part is that balance you know like, oh yeah you and that's because a... this is the heaviest guitar i think on the whole album mm. like it just i mean it's just dripping i mean it's it's just saturated music yeah um, super fuzzy super in, in a great fun. way yeah i mean just this is the you know this is almost like you're in a dive bar and you're smoking cigarettes and playing cards with just people you met there yeah. And someone happened to have a deck of cards in a bar, you know? Yeah. Like, that's that's what this song makes me think of, is it puts me in that kind of, like... Thin, thin haze of smoke in the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, the, the, you know, the suspended ceiling, yeah. all the tiles are yellow from just yeah. years and years and years of smoke. The goat bar over in East oh, Dallas, yeah. if you've ever been there. Yeah. Like, that kind of place. Yeah. Um, Some kind of seedy underground club. Yeah, yeah. Just, like, a, a place that... 
Um, even in your 30s, you would probably never admit to your parents that you had been inside there. <laughs> it's like it's not quite the double deuce uh, from from Roadhouse, oh, yeah, from Roadhouse yeah. <laughs> but it's close. <laughs> but uh, oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one to end it on. It's like a good, just a smooth tune to play out. And yeah, I don't know. It just it, it kind of goes without saying that Dan and Patrick, obviously, they they love some Junior Kimbrough. They do. I mean that, that must have been an insane honor, you know, to do that tribute album, you know, um, years back and. To be able to uh, work on his original label, you know, talk to his wife, include some of his music on the album. It's just, again, I know I said at the beginning, but this really proved like it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we really liked how that guy did music. It was like, that's music. Yeah. Like, they thought like that. That's it. That dude hit it. He captured lightning in a bottle and we we're just trying to replicate what he did years ago. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it just shows how much they, they love music. And there goes a little baby. <laughs> I do think uh, listening to Junior's version of this song, I think the solo in Junior's version sounds the most like Dan Arbach's style. Mm, yeah. Like, I, I mean, to me, you listen to Junior's version of this song and you could convince me that it was Dan Arbach playing the solo. Yeah. Um, kind of grittier. Harder yeah. style. Yeah. yeah. Just in, and, and you can see the influence and it's, it's, um, and, you know, every, I mean, almost every great guitarist has had someone that at some point they're mimicking, right? Yeah. I mean, you listen to Stevie Ray Vaughan, a lot of his solos sound like Buddy Guy, yeah, who Jimmy. was, yeah, or Jimmy, right? And Buddy Guy was a Chicago guy who played Texas style, and mm. Jimmy was a Seattle, yeah. <laughs> UK resident. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, and I, I think that Dan Arbach, there's no doubt in my mind that he is one of the preeminent blues guitarists right now. Oh, yeah. Um, at, at least, especially one kind of more in the public eye. Oh, big time. And, uh... I mean, yeah, that's what's... I mean, this 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 album's release proves it, that this tops the, the rock charts, the blues charts, the alt-rock charts. Like, it's hitting, like, almost, like, everything. Yeah. And it's, like, it's it's a blues album, though. It's like, I but know. But this is, the, but this is, like, a rock group. And this is, like, an alternative rock group. It's like, yeah. Yeah, but this is where they... This is what they you know grew up on. This is different, like, but still just. I am so glad though that this didn't come out like seven or eight years ago when Mm. when the hipsters really would have taken a hold of it. Like if I if I would have walked into a bar and seen someone in like a plaid shirt and skinny jeans on a typewriter smoking a roll your own cigarette listening to this, it would have bummed me out a little bit. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm not knocking hipsters. I'm really not. Like I I had I admire their ability to grow much better mustaches than the one I have. Um, but but I don't I don't want the hipsters taking uh, taking the black keys from me. I don't, I don't they kind of took spoon from me a little bit. And, oh, and, yeah. and I was a little heartbroken over that. I don't think I can handle the black keys leaving me for the hipsters. Well, see, and I think I think the the big shift with them and I and I know I mentioned that I really I favor this guy. But, you know, I think when they shifted more into that pop side it was you know a lot of danger mouse you know yeah oh yeah but i think that also comes because i mean you know they talk about beef heart they talk about 60s and 70s artists that were you know psychedelic cutting edge that they don't use like all the time in their early albums but i think danger mouse kind of helped bring that out that's a little more polished it's a little more you know bright or a little more you know like not gritty like not nowhere near that as much 
but it's it, it just hits different. It's not supposed to be this. And yeah, all the, like what you're saying, it's like if this came out during the, the the come up period where they were were a little more popular and poppy evolving, then it probably probably would have confused the audience. Honestly, yeah, oh yeah, because when you look at their their discography, you see the trajectory of like oh they're building off of like some uh, the more gritty psych. 60s stuff and the delta blue stuff in the 80s 70s night well all over yeah right <laughs> but then but then as they grow grow on and continue to meet other people and um, get more experience and get more experience in the studio and producing their own stuff and wanting to incorporate more instruments I mean, it just happens, you know, eventually a synthesizer slips in there, you know, and yeah. <laughs> eventually they, you know, they they realize that, you know, we need a basis, you know, and, and it just, it starts to grow and, and, uh, and they talk about that, how they're, they were, they're very particular about what producers they include and how they worked and that when it came to Danger Mouse, that's why I said, like, I, I don't remember if I said it to you today or if this was like just the other day, I was talking to someone that. Danger Mouse must be like a really cool guy. Like, <laughs> like he must just like really like jive well with like everybody because i mean he's collaborated with so many people he's done so many albums with so many great like like modern like great artists um and he helps them kind of go to that 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 next level it's like you have your sound it's like but what if we 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 draw from the 60s a little bit more what if we make a little clean poppier minorly formulaic and then we find a good middle ground you know and and i i think he's just really good at doing that finding that good balance of curating all those sounds to still sound like the black keys but let's let's open up your variety a little bit um and 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 i like it i i like i enjoyed their their transition because it wasn't like super sharp if it was right. crazy stark like they go from something like this or like uh the rubber factory to like i don't know like fever or right. something like that where like there are songs that are like they're synth driven or like it's just like it's totally different. You'd be like, ah, what happened to these guys? And you would assume that there's some new producer in the mix. But when you look at the, what, six albums, like in between those two. Right. It's like you you watch that steady, that steady climb of like, he's still a great guitarist, but now he's trying to balance that with all the other instruments. And there's nothing wrong with that because you don't want it to be blown out. You don't want like all the sound collision from like just too much stuff or whatever. And uh, I don't know. I, I respect their their climb, you know, into their sound. And but even more so, I appreciate that they they still came back around full circle. Yeah. And in two ways, because I know not everybody liked Let's Rock. I liked it because to me it was like you watch them go from blues and they climb up to more of a popular rank, right? And then uh, um, Let's Rock was like, well, let's go back to the middle, right? <laughs> and then this one's like, let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's kind of how it feels, and I I I, I love both of them. I mean, I, I really like Let's Rock. I yeah, mean, Let's Rock's song. a good album. Yeah, Let's Rock's a good album, and this one is too. And man, it was I, uh, you know, it's you and I talked about it. We we weren't sure how much material we were going to get out of this album, but then the more you listen to it and kind of learning about the songs and the people who wrote the songs and played the songs, I mean, that's. It's uh, it's a little bit of a history lesson if you want it to be sure, um, but it's also you know you can just have it on, yeah. pour a drink and kick back. Yeah, <laughs> do some work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, it is interesting because yeah, we did say that that we weren't sure that this one would be a, a 
I don't know, a robust type of episode, you know, yeah. that maybe this would be pretty simple commentary, but I mean, this but one's no. basically as long as the Zeppelin one. Yeah. We talked about the Weatherford Peach Festival, about <laughs> Peter Gabriel. I mean, <laughs> what didn't we cover? Hornsby. <laughs> yeah, but we, <laughs> every chance I get, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's part of the package. <laughs> man but yeah. but yeah this was good man I, yeah I thanks really again for it. having me yeah it's, it's always fun yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah we'll need to, need to figure out another unique album to to pinpoint and look yeah out. and get that texas thing rolling yeah that's sure. i'm excited for that and i do i wish i had more time today to stick around but you know yeah thanks, family thanks. right so. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah man I mean, with everything reopening man it's like i'm this month has been like my like like I don't know, reassessment of how to balance everything again. Like, it's been wild, man. Yeah, it's like two months ago, it was easy for me to have a full-time job, balance two bands, a uh, solo artist, <laughs> and yeah. and the show. And it's like, but now it's like, ah, oh, I got, I'm going to be working all week and I'm going to pick one thing to focus on because yeah. <laughs> I'm getting worn out. <laughs> well, and even, uh, you know, so I'm vaccinated. I'm going to start by saying that. And Same. so I'm trying to get to where if a place says masks are optional, if you were been vaccinated, mm. I'm trying not to wear a mask so I can start feeling more normal. Oh, oh yeah. And uh, but it's man, it is bizarre. It's a weird thing. It, it is yeah. so weird. Well, I don't know how like how often like on a day to day basis you would like go into places or like see people for your work. But, you know, obviously like I would drive into downtown. I have to walk, you know, a few blocks to get to my office and then I would go survey and have appointments stuff like that. And so just walking through the city, I just got so accustomed to seeing all the signs and all the things just either closed or temporary closed or whatever, all these temporary things that were going on and, uh, or going to see people in the offices had all these things. And yeah, like our building now, like I think this last Monday, they took everything down. Like all the signs are just totally gone. Wow. And it's just like, it's just like weird. Like, it's just like, it's just cause like, yeah, you, I mean, I think you and me are similar in like kind of like disciplined thinking of like if that's a rule i can't break i'm just not i'm not gonna think about it sure i'm just gonna do what i can control and just move on and so now i've just been in a year of this type of like <laughs> discipline and now it's like you can break it it's not you know there's yeah. nothing going on or like the fact that i read on tuesday i think that austin had their first full capacity concert wow of the year i'm like whoa okay that's nuts <laughs> like what that is about five months sooner than i would have thought it would have been yeah, well, just the, just because of Austin and how well from all the event people I work with, you know, like my uncle owns a catering company and an event company. And it's like everybody in that world was like June first. It's like oh, that's normal. That's normal day. Good normal day is June first, and so it's like ever since then, like because you know, like I took that little recording trip with my group to work on on some of our songs, and that was the end of May. So it's like I took like a couple of days off of work afterwards so I could mix some stuff and make some notes and. Um, and uh, when I went back, yeah, it's like all those signs were gone. No one was wearing anything. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's June. Like, this yeah. is like, this is apparently like day one. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. Weird. I like it. I hope it feels less weird yeah. uh, over the next month plus. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, I'm excited, man. You know, there's more shows getting lined up. There's not, there's some people, you know, willing to do stuff this year. It's seeming like a lot of people are doing 2022 stuff. Yeah um but um it's seen a lot of that yeah but one one um i'm looking at because uh, i've i've never seen them as i see that uh, kings of leon are coming this year i kind of want to see them never seen them live i had one 
I had one opportunity to see them. I didn't get enough money to do it because I was in high school. Um, but turned out to not be a bad deal. Oh, is that the one where he is when he was out. too drunk? Yeah, yeah. Caleb was too drunk, and they like started the song, couldn't even finish it, and they're like, "I'm sorry, we can't do this." <laughs> like, whoa. Yeah. I had a good friend that she was like obsessed. I mean, super obsessed, and she was like all in. That she's the she's the only reason why I knew what happened is because she showed up the next day to the English, and she was like just like depressed i was like <laughs> wasn't last night like the best night ever for you and she's like they didn't even play he was too drunk I'm like whoa damn they're from oklahoma she can do better than that <laughs> <laughs> no i do like kings of leon though i'd i'd yeah. go see him if i had the chance yeah I, and that's i just i i yeah i mean like i i love the last couple albums have been pretty good i love their middle stuff i think most yeah um but um yeah i've just never had the chance to see him I like to see them. I think they're coming to uh, Dos Equis Pavilion. Is that what it's called now? Yeah. I keep Starplex. losing track. Well, because it went back to the Starplex <laughs> oh, for a little it? bit. Yeah, oh. it was like after Jexa, Jexa. They, they they had like a brief period where oh. they didn't have a new sponsor. Oh, interesting. We called it the Sweatplex when I was growing up because it was, <laughs> you know, all the, concert, all, all the concerts were July and August yeah. in North Texas, and it was just miserable, <laughs> but still fun. Yeah, we saw uh, Dead & Company like in 2019, but that was like in October. So yeah, and bad. see, I was supposed to go to that show and ended up having oh. to sell a ticket because I had a, I don't, uh, well, <laughs> I ended up going to Ireland. So I'm not like I'm not oh. complaining. <laughs> like I, I had bought tickets and then we talked to some friends of ours that were like, "Hey, we're going to uh, Ireland in October," and I'm like, "Yeah, that's going to be more fun." So <laughs> we did that. But I am I'm supposed to see them this this October, October 14th. Nice. And, uh, Have you seen them with Mayor before? No, I've seen John Mayer by himself a mm. few times um, because, A, I just have a soft spot, and I, I just... He's great. He is. He's so he's so, he's so good, good and he puts on a good show. Oh, um, I, think, I, th- I think that's why he loves being with the dead is because he can jam. You know? Yeah. I think that's what he loves. And he doesn't have to do the stupid uh, John Mayery persona <sighs> stuff. Yeah, he's like, just, I'm just playing music. I'm just in my groove you know that, yeah. that's what was awesome is just seeing him like i mean it's like a four minute just breakdown yeah just doing his own little thing or whatever it's like yeah hell yeah yeah like, i would love to do that if i had the opportunity of just being like because i mean i would call myself because you know what is it, it takes ten thousand hours to master something it's right like, i think i'm like halfway into guitar <laughs> um which is something i mean hey five thousand hours or something i did the math one day when i was like you know i did this amount of practice hours probably a week i did this amount with like the groups i was like yeah that all up it's about over seven years that's five thousand yeah, that's about there yeah but i just think about like how often he does and just the proficiency is just madness I'm like man <laughs> if i got to that level yeah that's probably all i'd want to do is like let's just start a song everyone knows what we're doing and then let's just go nuts and just jam out for 10 minutes yeah <laughs> i agree but yeah it's a great show have you heard any of his uh new album that he's uh uh no really? actually i think it's coming out in like july um I think it's called like the last train home or something like that but it's it's like super 80s it, <laughs> it's like the album cover is like he's like he looks like clapton from the 80s he's got a blazer on he's got the strat over his shoulder and he's just standing with it kind of awkwardly next to a window and then it's just got that i don't know <coughs> one of those expected 80s fonts at the top and it even awesome. has like a it looks like a, a clearance sticker like on the on it it looks cool and then and like the song the single he released is very 80s like got like i think it's got like a synth horn type of, <laughs> type of beat to it and like as soon as i played it, i was like did i hit the right one you know? 
but it's interesting. I'm definitely gonna check it out. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like I need to. Yeah, dude. Well, thanks for coming. Yeah, man. Thanks Take for that next thanks time. for having me. for listening for more episodes visit our website musicmythpodcast.com and follow us on instagram and twitter goodbye